0: Uh, Anybody have a birthday soon? Any kids that have uh, had a birthday or anybody's having a birthday soon? Uh, There are a couple of birthdays. Uh, A few hands are going up. You guys have just had some birthdays. Aren't birthdays just a a really exciting uh, time? Uh, I know in my family, uh, we like to make birthdays a really big deal. I know there's lots of things to celebrate, but what we try and do as a family is really highlight birthdays. And uh, why we do that is because we get to kind of like highlight an individual and try and make the day really special for them and kind of go out of our way to as best as we can spoil the person, Uh, just a tradition that we are trying to grow as a family. And one of the ways uh, that we do it is we kind of go, hey, what's your birthday list? And, uh, you know, we try and uh, get some nice presents. And isn't that what we love? So much as being spoilt in the anticipation of uh, the day and getting something that's wrapped or, you know, looking forward to uh, the new thing that's coming at the start of a new year. Uh, We love that. Uh, For Edith's birthday this year, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Uh, At the top of her birthday list is a real live polar bear uh, and a real live unicorn. Uh, So that might be a little bit tricky to pull off for us, but we are trying to make a plan. But don't we love receiving something new? I mean, if you think about it when, uh, uh, again, just thinking of our kids, whenever they get a new pair of shoes, it's kind of like they leave the old shoes in the shop and wanting to walk out in the new pair of shoes that they've gotten. You know, if we uh, get a new toy, I love board games, and there's just something about unboxing a brand new board game and kind of like breathing in that brand new box smell. I mean, uh, some of you guys might know this. One of my uh, a memory that is so strong for me is uh, uh, this might mean something to some of you, but I once got a county warfarer cricket bat. Back in the day, it had a it had a black handle, black stickers, and walking out to bat for the first time with my new cricket bats. I literally felt like I was a proteo. Just uh, no one stood a chance. I can't remember what happened in the game, but the memory of walking out with the brand new bats is so still vivid in my mind. But we love the experience of receiving something new, buying something new, getting something new. And this is what today is all about for me. And what I'm so reminded about at the heart of Easter is that when I think about what this day has meant for me in my life, it's when I came to Jesus that first time, remembering His death on the cross, understanding what my life meant and leaving that old life there and walking away in the new life that Jesus gave me. It's so incredible to remember that today. I'm only standing here before you today because of the new life Jesus gave me. I left my old life behind. I was given something new and I walk and live in that new life today still. And it's just so great to enjoy and anticipate that the cross this morning is not kind of the end for us it's only the start. It is the beginning for us as, as people, as we come to faith in Jesus. It's where it starts for us. And isn't that just so great to celebrate? We're gonna be looking at some of that this morning. So if you have a Bible uh, here this morning, why don't you turn with me to the book of Colossians? Uh, Just so you know, as a church, we have decided we're going to camp out in this part of the Bible for a little while, and uh, we are going to be doing this over the Easter weekend. We just, uh, what's kind of coming up in this part of uh, the Bible is just some incredible stuff that speaks into uh, the heart of what we are celebrating this weekend, and uh, we've just decided that we're going to spend some time here, and it's really exciting. uh, Just to kind of help orientate you. Uh, This is a letter that was written by a man by the name of Paul and it was written to uh, a little church uh, that was doing so well. Uh, Paul was in prison. He had heard about uh, this church. Someone from the church had then come to him and uh, they were kind of talking about what was going on and so in some encouragement back to the church, Paul writes this letter. Paul was this guy who just because of his new life in Christ uh, took the message of Jesus uh, pretty much to his generation in the known world at the time and is responsible for a lot of writing, particularly in the second half, the New Testament. And so we're going to read from that letter. So Colossians chapter 2, and if you can find that and from verse 9, we are going to read a bit together. Verse nine, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised. In putting off the sinful nature, not with circumcision done by hands of men, but with circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. A lot of things going on in here. And again, just to help orientate you with a little bit of context, uh, some of the issues that this uh, church was facing is some pressure from some external kind of uh, groups within the community. See, this was a town in a, a Greek Roman culture There was also a lot of uh, Jewish people from Israel who were in this town who had also, from that background, come to faith in Jesus. So this church had some pressure from the Greco-Greek-Roman culture, which was basically this. Guys, you're free to worship Jesus. We're okay with that, but uh, you can't worship Him as the God. You can only worship Him as a God, and uh, you can worship Him, but... You know, it's just gotta be next to all the other temples that people worship. And you just can't say he's better than anything else. And so there was that pressure to kind of reduce Jesus down from being the God, the fullness of God, to a God amongst many. One of the pressures that they were kind of wrestling with, and the other pressure was from this Jewish contingent, and uh, as they had fled persecution, there was a, a community there in the town, they had responded to the gospel as well. But they were wrestling with some of their culture and this new faith that they had in Jesus. Part of their culture in the Old Testament, some of uh, what they grew up with was the sign of the covenant being part of what God did with Abraham, and the sign of that was circumcision and obedience to all the laws of uh, their customs and the Old Testament. And so these guys that are now coming to faith who were not Jewish, they're going, actually, you need to kind of go the whole route. Your faith isn't complete until you do all of this other stuff in the Old Testament as well. And so you've got these guys who are coming to faith in Jesus, but are getting this pull to go, no, no, Jesus isn't the God, a God. No, 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 you're not fully uh, complete in Christ because you've not gone this whole route of uh, everything in the Old Testament. And so what we've been discovering through this journey in Colossians, and if you are you, I'd encourage you. Uh, All of our messages, and this is maybe message number six, I think, in this series that you can find on our app or part of our podcast, and I encourage you to go back and listen to some of those. But Paul is writing to this church, and he's trying to help them navigate through all of these things. And the way he's doing that is to get them to think past and push past some of these issues to the reality of who Jesus is. And he's getting them to the heart um, of our faith, which is uh, coming to a full knowledge of who Jesus is as a person. Let's move past all of this side, this pull to kind of nominalism and this legalism that's pulling you on this side, to the heart of what it is, which is his desire for them is to know the fullness of Jesus. That is at the heart of what he is saying to them and the heart of this passage. And as the church and as leaders of Riverside and today of all days, our desire for you as a church as we are uh, confronted again by the work of Jesus is that you would understand what is at the heart of our faith, at the heart of what we're doing here is that you would know the fullness of Jesus. You see, When we come to Easter, we're reminded about the facts. So many people will will talk about what happened on this day, what happened to Jesus and everything that he went through. And those facts are really important for us. And we'll talk about the physical facts that we know the resurrection happened. Those are really important things for us. But as we mentioned, this is only the beginning. The, the, The cross is the starting point. And so those facts... They're important, they're significant. In fact, as I've said, this is the most significant event in all of history. But the facts point to a purpose. And the purpose of the facts, the purpose of us remembering the cross, is the point, and the purpose is that you would know the fullness of Jesus. Not to be aware of what happened not to be able to recite the facts of what happened this weekend, as important and as central as those are, but realize the gravity and the purpose of this event, which is that you would know the fullness of Jesus. As we look at that passage, and that's what Paul goes to when he says this, verse nine, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Again, what he's talking about there is Jesus is fully God. There is uh, there's no kind of being able to water that down. When we think about Jesus, we think about the fullness of God who came to us in fullness. And I love what this means for us. is because we were not left alone in our sin, in our struggling, in our striving, we were not alone. Jesus comes to us, the fullness of God, and then this incredible statement that comes after it: "And you have been given the fullness of Christ." So there's kind of two things are happening. Jesus comes to us, the fullness of God, and because of that, we have the fullness of Christ. It's an incredible thing. And uh, uh, to help understand this, uh, what is the opposite of fullness? Empty, right? It's a really interesting word. Empty. Uh, Some of you have experienced empty when you run out of petrol on the side of the road. Okay, when your petrol tank is empty, you are in desperate need of help. Uh, My record is three times in one day. Uh, (laughs) I kind of got things wrong coming back. uh, I badly planned a mission trip coming back from Namibia. Those of you who know about a mission trip to Botswana, I've learned a lot. Uh, so that won't be happening, but uh, ran out three times in one day, coming back from Namibia, it was incredible. Uh, but we know the, the, the trauma and how desperate we are when that is empty. You know, we, we know in our own lives and experience this word, empty. Okay, some of you guys know the trauma of an empty fridge. But uh, there's, there's something in us that uh, kind of is so afraid of that empty feeling in our lives. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Because we have this drive inside every one of us to worship something. We might not use the word, I worship that, but there is this this engine in us that pushes us to deal with the emptiness that we find in all of our lives. Some of us would uh, view that emptiness as loneliness, and so our lives are all about relationships. And so we bounce in and out of relationships, trying to find meaning and fulfillment in, in a person to deal with the emptiness or the loneliness that we feel in our lives. Some of us will go, well, I'm empty and I have this feeling and it's, and it's only gonna be kind of uh, filled with money. So we'll go, I'm pursuing a career i 'm trying to get ahead and uh, you're just chasing money, so you work and you work and you work and you work and and you're pushing that salary pay increase because what you 're actually trying to deal with is this emptiness of and, and maybe it's meaninglessness so w- what you think is is what you need is is money or fame or sports, your appearance uh, your identity we're all chasing something to Full and emptiness that's in us. We might not give it the word empty, we'll give it another word, but it's, it's really emptiness, which is why Paul is uh, helping this church understand it was the fullness of God who came in Jesus to us so that we might have the fullness of Christ because he knows the whole world is chasing after something because we were created for the fullness of Jesus. The whole point of today, what we are celebrating, what we're here to embrace is that all of that emptiness that you feel in your life, that you are filling with so many other things that just never seem to fulfill, is only going to be found in the completed work of Jesus. Because the fullness of God came to us to give us the fullness of Jesus. And so as he's kind of touching on this Greco-Roman thing about the fullness of Jesus, of course he is more than any other God. He is the God. He then kind of swings back to some of this legalism that the church is kind of wrestling with by touching on kind of the central points in legal kind of Christianity of the day, which was uh, the practice of circumcision as a sign of being set apart for God. If you were God's people, if you were in a relationship with him, that was the sign that you had taken part of that. He goes, no, no, guys. There's an even greater thing that has happened as a sign of being in a relationship with God through Jesus. It's not circumcision done by the hands of men, but by the heart. Which is what happens when we come to faith in Jesus. And that is the power of the cross. That is this incredible event that takes place. And if you kind of now turn your thoughts with me to what we do celebrate and remember today is that Jesus, the fullness of God, went to the cross. And as we know, he was arrested uh, by Roman soldiers, that he was tortured and beaten and eventually nailed to that cross, which was Uh, the way that Roman soldiers executed common criminals. But some significant things happened while Jesus was up on the cross. Because you see, the event in itself, the purpose of it, there was so much power going on in what Jesus was doing. And we often miss that because we kind of get caught up in the tradition of today. And there's two things I want to draw your attention to. The one is, while Jesus was hanging up on the cross, a cosmic event took place. We don't know much about it. But we know that during the middle of the day, the sun darkened for about six hours. And while everything was dark, Jesus speaks these words out from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And try and imagine with me that people are a little bit confused as to this kind of cosmic event of of the sun going dark for a number of hours in the middle of the day and Jesus speaking out, why have you forsaken me? What's happening in that cosmic event is the power of the cross, that circumcision of the heart, Jesus going, I'm taking your sin, I'm taking on your sin and dealing with it before God because You know that word empty? Uh, The Bible uses a number of different words. Uh, Sometimes it uses the word dead. Uh, Sometimes it uses the word enemy. Uh, We're using the word empty this morning that there was this thing that was stopping us from engaging in the fullness of the relationship with Jesus. For us to experience that fullness of Christ that he's come to give us, something had to happen. And it is the power of the cross So the sun darkens, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? As he's making the reality of that happen by taking on the problem of sin. A little while later, he says some other words, kind of breathed out his last, and he says, It is finished. And we know when he said it's finished, something interesting happens. It's taking place in Jerusalem. There's a temple. It is the temple where people engage with God. And there's this room at the temple that's separated by this incredible thick curtain, uh, which is ceiling to floor. And traditionally, that separated people from the very presence of God. And the moment Jesus says it's finished, that temple curtain tears top to bottom. Again, those of you who are familiar with that know that that was an act of God Himself tearing the veil, removing the symbolic thing that separated us from the very presence of God. And Jesus says, I'm forsaken, my God, why? And then it is finished. Because the power of the cross, kind of this central moment for us is that Jesus came solely that we could have the fullness of Him. It's the point of our faith. It's the central thing. And he accomplishes that by his work on the cross. The power of the cross is that he takes our sin, he removes that which separates us. So when Paul says the fullness of God was in Jesus and because of Jesus, you have the fullness of him in you. We can celebrate and know that this morning because of the power and the work of the cross. That's why we talk about the old or that which we were dead and enemies to being new in Christ, alive in Christ, friends to call Him God our Father because of what He did. I want you to kind of watch this video. It'll kind of help put some of this stuff into maybe uh, some, some kind of clearer words for you. Ephesians 2, verses four and five. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, it is by grace that we have been saved. We remember the significance of today. We come and remember what He did in our place for our sin. But it would be a mistake for us to stay there as believers. Because the purpose is that we would know the fullness of Jesus in our lives. Experience Him. We talk about knowing and knowing as a church. And we use this example a lot. You can see a hamburger on a plate and know that's a hamburger or you can pick it up and enjoy all that that hamburger is when you eat it. We know what Jesus did for us today, but are you experiencing the new life Jesus has come to give you? Are you living in the fullness and the fullness of Christ? As He has said, I came in the fullness of God so that you may have the fullness of me. That's the point. We've got communion tables in various spots around the church. Uh, we're going to invite you now to come and take part in it. And Jesus, when he had this meal with his followers, uh, just before he was going to the cross, uh, he gave this to them as a reminder. He said, this is bread. And if you imagine taking a piece of bread and, and tearing off a chunk saying, my body broken for you, do this to remember me. And we have taken a jug and, and poured out this red wine in the same way my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin. We're gonna remember that now. But I wanna encourage you, if you've not stepped into the life that Christ has for you, the new life where, as it said, we were dead, but now alive because of Jesus that old life, to uh, embrace the new life that Christ has for you, I'd encourage you to do that. Maybe this is your first uh, time in church since maybe even Christmas. I'd encourage you, He loves you and Jesus is just so excited that you are here engaging with Him. Take some time to remember what He did for you, but don't stay there. That's only the beginning. The purpose is that you would step into the new life and the full life that only Jesus can give. Parents, if you're here with your kids, we encourage you to do this as a family. It's a big deal that we remember what Jesus did. But pray into and celebrate the new life that Jesus has. Jesus, we wanna honor you this morning. You died on the cross in our place for our sins. Without that death, we are hopeless. But thank you, Jesus, that that isn't the end, but only the beginning. That the purpose of that was that I would know you, not know about you, but know you fully. That because of what you've done and the change that you've done in my life, I was able to leave that behind at the cross and walk away in the full new life, forgiven and saved, Jesus, by your grace, your love, your mercy. I was your enemy, but I came to the cross, Jesus, and now you call me son, and I call you father. I'm living my best life because of the fullness of you, Jesus. Thank you that anyone here today can do that because you accept us as we are. And we can by faith accept what you did and believe in you, Jesus. And so for all of us this morning, if you are are living your best life in Jesus, thriving in that new life that he's given, then come and celebrate in communion. If this is new for you and you want that, if you would need help maybe in knowing what to do, I'm gonna be at the front and come and talk to me. I'd love to help you in your first steps. But Jesus, thank you for everyone here this morning that we're all able to come to the cross and leave our old life behind, this empty, striving, meaningless life, but come to you and accept the new full life that you have given us. In your holy name, amen.